Welcome back. Sixth episode. Is it six? Is it seven? I don't even know at this point. We're just grinding them out of balling ain't a hobby. It's been a week of hot streaks. And before we get into that, make sure to follow us on Ain't a Hobby on Twitter. Still going to have some dope content. Still going to keep it going with updated stats, player news, memes, highlights, bringing you the best of the best in terms of highlights. And now let's really get into the pod, onto these hot streaks. And when we're talking hot streaks, the hottest of the hot are the Jazz and Spider Mitchell. I don't know. I know you guys all, all heard Shaq's response to Spider Mitchell's interview saying that he doesn't have what it takes, pretty much just doubting him. Are you guys Team Shaq? Are you guys Team Spider? Where are we at on that? Joe, I see you doing a little smirk over there. I mean, this one is like, it's a layup, man. I mean, I, I don't know where Shaq's coming from, dude. Like, the dude has a 40-point game, and the first thing you're going to do is tell him that you don't believe in him or you don't think that he can lead a team. It's just like, he the, the whole reason he said it was because at halftime, he was kind of like questioning their team at large because obviously they haven't really done that much. But it just felt weird to do to follow that up at the end of the game by like kind of piling on someone who had a really good game. It just it did not fit the context. I, I didn't like it for Shaq. It was just, it was just a bad look. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I, I, I think he's actually correct, but the thing is, it's just not, it's not the right time. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like when people, when people, when after LeBron wins his fourth championship, everyone's like, well, you're not as good as Michael. Like, that might be true, but you don't have to say that right now. And that's why, why, why does Shaq, you know, after Mitchell has a great game, Shaq has to, and like, and like the thing is, like, he's almost, he, he said it, and then he said, like, oh, I said it at, before the game because I wanted you to hear it. As if he was taking credit for, like, Mitchell's good game. As if he gave him the motivation. And it's like, bro, like, get out of here with that. And, like, again, I think he might be right. Mitchell hasn't ascended to superstardom yet. He's still a young player. Like, he's got time to go. Lillard is pretty much where Mitchell was at this time in Mitchell's career. Like, Mitchell, or like Lillard by the time in his, like, fifth, sixth, seventh season is when we started seeing Lillard become who he is. Once Lillard got that postseason success and now Lillard's, like, a 30-point-per-game scorer, like, that could be in Mitchell's future. But, like, let's give him a chance, you know. Let's, like, let it ride out. Let's not just attack the guy right away. Like, I do agree he hasn't improved that much since his rookie year. He's marginally improved every year. He hasn't really taken – that much strides but at the same time like again like he's still a great player Whoa. let's not just attack him after he has a big game well it's hard to follow up when you have a beast rookie year as long as you're improving and at but this point not. i mean he's really not he is what do you mean he's improving his team's getting better every year they're way more competitive and you're not going to tell me it's rudy gobert and his big ass contract it's clearly donovan mitchell that's it's taking also him there. michael conley being pretty good this year yeah, I mean, Michael sure. Conley definitely helps in easing that and easing uh, the looks, and he's looking good, making spin moves, you know, getting to the to the basket. But at the end of the day, it's Donovan Mitchell who's taking the key shots. He's taking the threes. Conley is not even necessarily the go-to three-point shooter. It's, it's Donovan Mitchell. And at this point, the fact that you have to respect his range, and he's got some deep range, he gets to the hole whenever he wants. And I feel like... It's really going to show when we get to the playoffs, obviously, because last year that's where he really showed it with the the face-off against Jamal Murray. And, I mean, easily they could have ended up being in the conference finals against the Lakers if you flipped the Nuggets and the Jazz in that series because it was back-to-back. It was literally by inches, game of inches. Yeah, I'm with Abel. He's he just had such a high floor to start out his career. Like, you can't go from, like, averaging 20 points a game, leading a team in the playoffs – winning a playoff series like you can't really like top that within the first two three years of the league unless you're like one of the greatest players of all time like he he just came right in the door as a very effective player and it to me he just hasn't done anything to make me think like there's not hope here like if you're an up-and-coming franchise you should want a donovan mitchell on your team like i can't think of a single team that wouldn't root for this guy he just plays his ass off both sides of the ball I don't know. I mean, you could criticize his efficiency. That's probably the the one thing I would say he could get better at. But overall, he just does everything that you want in a winning player. 
Yeah, and he's leading his team to an eight-game win streak against some pretty good teams. I mean, he beat the Nuggets that we're talking about, beat the Bucks. The last loss they had was to the Nets. And, I mean, they beat the Warriors, who uh, the Warriors aren't elite anymore, but they're still a pretty good team. So he's the hottest player right now pushing the hottest team. I would give a little bit of credit to Mike Conley, though. He's shooting 42% from three right now. That's huge. He's averaging six assists a game, 16 points. I mean, Mike Conley looks so much better in comparison to what he did last year. So uh, while Donovan Mitchell is leading the train, there's no doubt. Mike Conley playing like this is like to have two dynamic players that could run a pick and roll or make the right pass every time. Like every good team has those two guys. Look at the Suns with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I mean, the Clippers, they're obviously not two guards, but Paul George and Kawhi Leonard act in that same way. They attack the hole and find guys. And when you have Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley playing pretty much the best basketball they've played together so far, like that's why the streak is happening. They're, they're playing at a high level. I mean, that's what I think it is. Like, I mean, you look at the difference between this year and last year. Like, Conley was just not back to who he was last year after his injury. And, like, now, like, you see, like, he is pretty much back to, like, who Conley was. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we'll see how long it, he is because he is kind of, you know, on the other side of 30. But He showed it in the bubble, leadership. though. He, I saw it in the bubble. He, he he had a rough first year with them during the regular season, but in the bubble he looked a lot more comfortable. And now it just looks like he knows the offense. You know, I think really right away he just didn't know the offense. He didn't know how to play with Gobert. Gobert and Gasol are two completely different centers. So to think that, like, right away they would mesh was, like, it, a lot of people were high on him just because he's a very reliable dude. I think me and you, Abel, we've always liked him. He just plays on both sides of the ball, and I don't know. I, I just thought it was going to work right away. I was really high on the Jazz last year. So to see this now, it's almost like the take took a year to freaking brew you know it wasn't it wasn't ready right away it had the age the time had to go by and now they look like a pretty damn good team i think they could be a third or fourth seed in the west when it's all said and done yeah i mean they had some, he had some injury problems as well and the thing i mean the reason a lot of people were so high on mike conley is because his game just transcends so well he shoots the three he gets to the bucket he makes smart decisions makes good passes he doesn't try to force the ball he's that's why it was a little bit out of the norm and took everyone by surprise when last year he wasn't that. But that's why the Jazz are so dangerous. Right now as a three seed, playing in a high seed, they can make a deep playoff run because they're not going to be facing the Clippers or the Lakers who are you know probably the top two seeds right now early in the playoffs. They're going to be facing some of the lower tier uh, teams. So that's why they're dangerous. That's why a conversation point that we have is What's a more dangerous team? A Nuggets team that was already there last year or a Jazz team? These are two of the hottest teams right now. Jazz are eight-game win streak, which we just talked about. Nuggets four-game win streak, and the last loss that the Nuggets had was to the Jazz. So what's a more dangerous team in your guys' opinion? Brandon, what do you think? The Nuggets, I just don't think they're just a reliable team at this point. Any given day, any given week, any given month, they could just go hot and just be one of the hottest teams, one of the best offenses in the league. But from uh, just a in a seven game series, I mean, we've seen the team, you know, turn it on last year. It could come back from two, three, one deficits last year. But at the same time, I just this team does not have the defense it needs to to actually compete at the highest level. I think they need to make a move to sure up there on the defensive end jazz just plays maybe not quite the same offensive firepower but they just play on both sides of the ball like we said conley just adds like that chris paul factor where he just makes everybody better on the floor he's just a leader on the team go bears like as good as you're gonna get with someone guarding Jokic and anthony davis i think the jazz are just more built for a long haul i just don't know if they actually they might need another piece too to really push them into that level, but I think I would trust them more than the Nuggets. Yeah, the, the X factor for the Jazz is Boyan Bogdanovich, and not having him in that playoff series last year, it definitely cramped their spacing a little bit. He was their best three-point shooter last year, and right now, if you want to say that they're going to improve, he's actually their worst three-point shooter. So if this team gets the Boyan Bogdanovich that they had last year, shooting at a high level, averaging like close to like 16 or 18 points a game, like – that's a real piece that might be able to put them over the edge against the Nuggets. But if I had to pick one team gun to my head, man, I can't I can't say no to Nikola Jokic. I mean, if it gets into a scoring battle, I just think there's no way Gobert can guard him or he's just going to somehow break down the defense and find the open man because 
we've just seen him do it. That's just what he's done. And also, just a little credit to Jamal Murray. He's shown up a little bit these last three or four games. And I'm not saying he's the most consistent guy in the world, but when he does this stuff in the postseason, him and him and Nikola Jokic are a very good two-man game. So I, I, I think I could take them in a seven-game series. But again, you're not getting much defense from those guys, though. No, I, that's that's the thing. It's not it's not going to be about the defense. I think it's just going to be about they're going to be able to score more. They're not going to win it all. Well, how good is Jamal Murray offensively? We've seen him turn it on in the in the playoffs last year. So if he does that again, but from what we've seen in the regular season, there's no way you could just expect that. You know, yeah. like he's just been so streaky. Like some days he's dropping 35, some days he's dropping like seven points. Like he's just all over the place. No way you could rely on him. Like he just doesn't, hasn't turned into that 20 point per game plus scorer where you could rely on him every day. He's going to come in, in and out. That's true. And like they're going to need that. Well, they're going to need it for a deep playoff run for sure. And that's why I do agree that the Jazz, or the, the jazz are a little more dangerous. But Jamal Murray, that's kind of been his career where in the regular season he's so up and down. And then in the postseason he turns it on, he hits that next switch. And he gains that consistency for a series. Like, he'll get that consistency for a whole series, and then maybe he'll lose it for one or two games and then bring it back for the for the second half of that series or even first half and then lose it for the second half. So, I mean, it really does come down to that defense. I mean, right now, the Jazz have a both top-five defense and an offense, whereas Denver is a top-five offense, but they have a bottom-ten defense. So it really does come down to shoring up that defense. Like you said, they might have to do a move and figure out how to get some perimeter help because they have no one in the perimeter. I guess, you know, they did get Jermichael Green back, which helps a little bit, but it's not like he's elite by any means. Michael Porter Jr. has been really good for them. He's also why they were able to beat the Suns, I feel like, these last two games. He's he's a dynamic player, But can he play... Can he play in a playoff series? Is he gonna is he gonna like close a game for the Nuggets in a playoff series? Okay, so if he can, he has this, to. He has to. If he can, he has that's to. A huge he's factor. He has he's to. He's shown some plays in big moments that I've seen in the last two or three games where he's just been in the right position and gotten a steal. So like he's just played enough basketball to at least know where to be at times, and there's some value for that. He's not locking anybody up by any means, but if you're in the passing lane, if you're there to theoretically play help defense, like. Guys like that help you win games. So I'm not saying he's going to make their defense better than the bottom 10. They might stay in the bottom 10, but if he could play in big moments, I mean, this is what Kyrie Irving did. Like, nobody ever thought Kyrie Irving was a great defender. But then in the finals, he was getting around picks, guarding Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Like, guys can just step up in certain moments. And I, I just think maybe if Michael Porter Jr. can do that, that would be their X factor. Whereas the Jazz is Boyan, I think for the Nuggets, it's, it's Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, he has to. He has to take that leap, especially defensively, because he's the one that fits that prototype of he should be able to do to compete defensively. Mm-hmm. He's long, he's tall, you know, he's athletic. At the end of the day, it's just about the effort there. As long as he's trying, he doesn't have to lock anyone down, like you said. Yep. And if he's not going to lock anyone down. He's going to get bullied if that happens. But he can get in pass lanes. He can disrupt the disrupt on help D. Disrupt on on you know double teams or traps. That's use those long arms, but then he has to shuffle back, drop, drop in the zone. You know, it's, it's kind of finding that happy medium, especially as a young guy, don't help too much and know when's, when, when is, when's good to help and when it's good to drop. And that's what he has to find. And that's, that's what he needs to find during this regular season. And if he could find that the nuggets might be dangerous, but the thing is the jazz already have that with, I mean, Conley knows how to do that. He's not, he's not a shutdown defender either, but he knows when to help. We know what Rudy Gobert is. They paid him just. To, they, we paid him just to be that defensive force and that anchor down low. Thanks. So they have more consistency, and even Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles, they're not shut down defenders either. But they're big. They they can play in the post if they need to be. Yeah, they're smart. They they all they're all high IQ players, which is that's why they're more dangerous. And I like Derek Favors to, uh, too. They got Derek Favors back as well. And Derek Favors, yeah, he he's a savvy veteran at this point. I mean, taking me back to the days when he was a youngin. Uh, for that Darren Williams t- trade, it makes me feel old. But so now he's a savvy veteran, and that's what they have. Whereas the Nuggets, they're more prone to mistakes. You know, you have Monte Morris, Will Barton. They- they'll cheat too much, and then that that makes them susceptible. And when that makes them susceptible, th- at the end of the day, the NBA is so good on offense that they're gonna find the open man. They're gonna find the open cutter. They're gonna find the open corner three. 
So you can't. That it's a literally a game of inches. I, I know that's said in all sports, but it, in the NBA, it's definitely a game of inches. So I would just say a guy like Royce O'Neal, like just think about how value, valuable he would be on the Nuggets, you know. And it's like you don't even think of him on like when you think of the Jazz, but he's like a pretty vital part. Where he's just a, a three and D guy. He can guard one of the best players on the other team on the perimeter. He was playing the four in the playoffs with, when they didn't have Bojan, you know. Like he's pretty versatile. He can hit the three and like. That's and like he's just a role player, but that's exactly the kind of guy that like the Nuggets would love to have right now, and like they like I think the the Jazz just have way more, just better defenders, better on defense than what we've seen from the Nuggets so far. So if we go man for man though, the Nuggets need Gary Harris to be that guy, and he's he stepped up a little he, bit he, recently. He, he too. could be that guy. That he, is the guy that I think is that person, but he just he's been inconsistent. I saw him against the Suns be able to go to the basket and actually finish. And if he can do that, obviously it gives every player confidence. So if he can if he can maybe be consistent, I mean we haven't seen that in like two years now when he actually had a good season and everybody was high on him, but. The last two years, he's just been ravaged with injuries. It's it's actually been a pretty sad, shitty story. But if he's healthy, he's their Royce O'Neal. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like these rosters are pretty damn close when you line them up. It's just a matter of who's going to who's gonna want it more in the playoffs, I guess, as corny as that sounds as well. But that's just where it is, man. They're, they're both very good teams. Yeah. I mean, they're both dangerous for sure, and that's why we're talking about them. And that's why they're so hot right now. They're the two hottest teams in terms of their winning streak and just – they, they face good teams. They beat good teams. Nuggets beat the Suns, you know, back-to-back. The the Jazz are just beating good teams that we already stated. So it could happen, and they have the star power. Donovan Mitchell is a star, no matter what Shaq says. And <laughs> Jokic is clearly a star. Oh, He's, yeah. you know, an MVP MVP candidate. He's, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. Which if if they if they stay in the four seed he'll he'll be in the MVP candidate all year and could possibly win the MVP because I feel like four seeds kind of the cutoff whereas if you're in a four seed you're like on the edge but you could make it work in terms of being an MVP candidate but someone that's like on top right now in terms of the MVP candidate that isn't getting any love is Joel Embiid because the Sixers are number one in the East right now he has been balling out and to, as funny as it sounds because this is not the way that you prove that someone's an MVP, that the Sixers got dusted by the Pistons when Embiid was out. And Pistons are probably one of the worst teams. So that's a weird way to proving just how valuable you are. Because the thing about the Sixers is they made a lot of roster changes and a lot of their young guys look really good. Like Shake Milton looks really good. Tyrese Maxey looks really good. And they got more ball handlers because... Seth Curry. I think one... Yeah, Seth Curry's, you know, really good and has worked well. Even Danny Green, who I know Brandon's going to disagree with that one. But it almost, it makes it easier on Ben Simmons, where Ben Simmons could become more of a cutter, more of a slasher, more of what he's been doing is when Joel's in the post, he'll cut and work the baseline. And then that way, if they double-team Joel in the post, Ben Simmons is wide open for a layup or a dunk. And that makes it easier when he doesn't have to be at the top of the key directing the offense. And it could be Tyrese Maxey. It could be Shake Milton. It could be, you know, Seth Curry if it really has to be, yeah. which probably not. But, but he can still do more it. More likely Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. But he could do it. So that just opens up their offense and it, it gives Joel Embiid more control of how to control the offense than in previous years where it was literally him getting double team, he would have to beat the double team essentially, find an open man, and then the open man just wasn't shooting. Or, you know, it would be J.J. Redick. But really his passing out of double teams has gotten better too. He's finding guys way better than he was in years past. So give him credit. I feel like he's, he's upped his game for sure. Yeah, he's upped his game. He's making better decisions in the post, which if as a dominant post player, that's something you have to do. If you want to be the best, po- the best center in the league – you got to be Hakeem the Dream level in the post. Yeah. You got to make them pay every single time, yeah. not 90% of the time, every single time. Yeah. And so far this year, he's doing it. And at this point, I think it's it's a little shady to doubt that the Sixers might be legit. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. What What is Ben Simmons? <sighs> it's, it's a tough call, man. He, he just is a great player 
who is not he's utilized. Regressed. He's regressed this year. He's, he's averaging 12 points a game. He's like he's fifth in their team in PER, which is like he's in the middle. He's behind T- Tobias Harris. He's behind Seth Curry. He's like right up there with Shake Milton, but like. Like his impact, he he he's a good player. We yeah, no, he still has a high impact. He's not gonna be a stat sheet guy. It's weird. But it just like just he's not the he's not the superstar we thought he was gonna be after his rookie year. And it's like he's running out of time to become that player. I think because again, like Simmons really hasn't improved, and like yeah, like you would hope that he would have improved at, at some like at some point. And like you can you know the three pointers like whatever that I I think he, he's a, I was a Simmons over and B guy for a while. I think this year's the finally the year I'm like jumping on the other side because like I don't know Simmons is just he's just. He's just a weird player. It's like it's hard to gauge what he is. He has superstar talent, but like, can he be your best player on a team? And he doesn't need to be the best player on this team. But like, no, what is he thing. being the second? What is he like with with Joel? He's your defender. He's your defensive stopper, and he's your slasher. He's a slasher at this. But point. that's not that's not that's not utilizing Ben Simmons to the. That's not like an optimized version of Ben Simmons. He, he can that's be a like, fast break initiator as well. I yeah, mean, fast break initiator. I, I mean, that's the thing is like all of Ben Simmons' points basically come from the fast break. Like he's not really he's like a transition player. Like getting, he's not really getting his shots like in the half court. So like, well, like Gable said, I don't know, he like, goes to that dunker spot. That's pretty much it, man. If he's getting a baby hook that, or if he's running through saying. the lane, like those he, are his shots. That's it. I, I just, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I really was high, like hoping he would like, he like two, three years ago, we thought he was the best player without question from that draft. Yeah. And, like you look at that draft and like, I mean, just the two guys after him, Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown. I mean, out of those three, who are you taking right now? Jalen Brown, Ingram and Simmons. Taking Jalen Brown then Ingram. I mean, Ingram Slightly, and Simmons uh, is, is close, but I mean, I think it's easily Brown over Simmons at this point. Yeah, I think Jalen Brown's the best yeah. one. And then I might take Simmons yeah. over Ingram just because Simmons is such a good defender. But Ingram is an amazing scorer, so I don't know. Ingram it's might close, be the best yeah. scorer between the three of them, right? Isn't Ingram the best scorer? Ingram's for sure the best scorer between know. the three I of them. Know. I mean... Brown, yeah, he is. I mean, he Brown's is. not a finished product. Brown's not a finished product at this point, though. That's the thing. But we're like, saying right now, knows? right now. I mean, Brown's averaging more points. Brown's averaging more points and having a better season right now than yeah. No, Jalen Brown's definitely yeah, taking but, the but leap. Brown Brown's. looks better. Brown is like if it was more efficient. Like Brown's just better than Ingram right now. I don't know how sustainable it is, but like if we're gonna talk about right now, Brown's better. But I mean, either way, Ben Simmons isn't even top five in usage on the Sixers. That's why. How much can That's we blame problem. him? How how much can we blame him though? I think this is Doc that, Rivers. No, I, I think this is Doc I, Rivers. I think offense. that's his fault. See, I'm gonna disagree with. It. I think that's his fault that he's not top five in usage. Where they've realized the team isn't good when it's going through him. Yeah. It's just not a good look. It's better when he's he's off the ball, finding the open spots for his his easy shots, slashing. And see, offense. that's the thing is that's that's just like a sh- very strong reevaluation. If that's really what Simmons is, is going to be for the rest of his career, like that's a good player, but like that's just not the superstar, you know, LeBron level guy that is going to lead a team, you know, and be like a Luka type of guy that just have his impact on every single possession. No. I would say he could be as good he's, as someone like Anthony Davis, though. He just needs the team to be more catered to what he's good at. And uh, He just doesn't seem on the, the, the as good as on the offensive side as Davis. Like, he's Davis not. already he's, scoring 25 points a game no, by, he's, by, by his fourth year. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they could help him get more points. They could help him. They could figure out a way to run the offense like where he's in a pick and roll every possession and he's rolling to the rim and he's got shooters around him because he's a great passer. Again, that goes back to Abel's point where – that's just not going to be that. That's not the best path to success for this team. But that's you know? because they have like Embiid. If if he was on a team without exactly, someone as good yeah. as Embiid, I'm saying he could be. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to work in this system. But I'm saying if he went somewhere else, he's still that good of a player. I just think it's it's unfortunate where he's at is what I would say. Yeah, I think yeah, he's I more like a, an Amari Stoudemire, what he can be offensively type of guy because he's not necessarily going to face you up like Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is so deadly because he'll face you up. He'll shoot the yeah. he'll shoot the oh, mid range yeah. over you, the three over you, or he'll take you to the rim, spin you out. Like it, Simmons isn't doing that. You know no, what Simmons yeah. is doing? He's gonna take it to the rim, or he's gonna be patient and pass. So, but Simmons is. A, I'm just saying, like in a different system. I'm not saying like there are any way like one to one comparisons. I'm just saying like Simmons is a better passer than Davis, and he's probably nah. That's probably the only thing I would say. I just would say if they would highlight that skill more for him. I mean, he's a, he's a more versatile defender. 
I he think might be, but Davis is him. an amazing defender. Davis could have won Defensive Player of the Year last year. So I, I don't know. Yeah. They're both really fucking good players, and Davis is a better offensive player. But if they would highlight Simmons' offensive skills more, you know, he, he kind of is, like you said, he's in that Amara Sotomayor role. Whereas I feel like he could be a little bit more of an initiator on offense. I mean, it, it really just comes back to the shooting, man. The game is about shooting, and the fact that he just does not have a jump shot, like, you're just capping yourself, you know? You cannot be that good. Like, it's just the bottom line. There's no way you can get... And that's why I think he needs to be the primary ball handler with four other shooters. And, like, I think that's the best way to do it because then he can have the ball in his hands and then he could drive the rim and then he could, you know, make the pass. But, like, when you have Embiid on your team, there's just no reason to have Embiid at the, you know, perimeter, like, all game when he's so dominant yeah. in the paint. Giannis is a more apt comparison. Like I shouldn't have said Davis. Giannis. Because, obviously, Giannis has a better jump shot than Simmons. But if Simmons can at least get a mid-range jump shot, then we're talking a Giannis-level player. He's that good defensively. He's a better passer than Giannis. So I, I would say he could be as good as Giannis for sure if he was on the right system. I mean, I think I think you were on point with the Davis because that's the thing is like that's why we thought Simmons was going to be LeBron where he was going to be the initiator and the number one, but he's really is like kind of the Davis where he's the, more of the number two and potentially off ball guy and defender, you know. But that's why like I think you're right. Like if he has the right offense around him, he could be that LeBron, you know, Luca Giannis kind of guy where he is the number one. It's just you really need to make sure that team is optimized. And that it's with them be that's just never gonna be on the Sixers. Yeah, it's it's a weird fit, but they're both amazing players. So I mean, I I wouldn't want to split them up either. It's, it'd be hard to split them up. Yeah, and it does create that defensive because they are a defensive mindset. You know, they have a defensive mindset as a team. So Simmons obviously is the leader of that because. If you want someone to lock uh, someone down on the perimeter, I mean, M- it's going to be Simmons. can really protect the paint better than any other center, though. I think it's Embiid. If, unless yeah. it's Gobert. But in the perimeter, though, I mean, most of the time you, you're getting in the perimeter, and that's where that's where you're getting locked down ISOs and stuff like it's that. It's basically just and their so, superpower. Yeah. I would say them together is their superpower. They're amazing defensively. I'll, yeah, I was going to say, they're, they're really good complementary defensively, honestly. Like, we, every, yeah. everyone harps on how bad of a fit they are offensively, but, I mean, that they are really good defensively together. It's, so it's just when they can't score they get blown out you know that's the thing and they've had a lot of games where they don't score so then it's like what's wrong with these guys but it's like that's not the defense that's for sure but that's why it's it's the beauty of they're playing it perfectly where they're limiting his usage offensively while still keeping that defensive identity because they're he's not even top five in usage they're using more Tyrese Maxey Shake Milton who can actually facilitate the ball have patience even at a young Shake's age. Shake's been pretty good this year, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, he needed his exactly. lumps last and year. They finally gave him tick last year, and then he showed up. Which is great, and that's why they've been they've been had success early in the season is because they realized Ben Simmons isn't the guy offensively. But we we now we have the three musketeers, the three horsemen on the defensive end. We got Simmons up top. We got Embiid down low, and then we got. Thibel just like roaming around, you know, trying to find the passing lanes, picking shit off, and then just, you know, starting the fast break. It's a three horsemen. You know, you got a little roamer over there with, with Matisse. Yeah. So it's 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 dangerous defensively because they're one of the most fun teams to watch defensively. You just see them get stops and you see them get amazing, interesting, unique. Their their stops are unique sometimes where they get steals or just lock down high potential players high octane offenses mm. but that's why i think like ben simmons is on the offensive side is sort of the elephant in the room because this team is really great defensively and like Embiid is a great player he's an mvp candidate it just like it dip- simmons is the like x factor he's a wild card if he could be like at play at a high level like and like really if they can make this work offensively like you're saying like they could be. They could stop. Like potentially, like put up a fight against the Nets or the Bucks and stop Giannis. You know, like they legitimately have a chance. I think it just comes down to what Simmons is. What is he gonna be come playoff time and the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. If he, if he, if they continue the high usage, control the pace with Embiid in the post, keep it to like a hundred point game against the Nets. Th- it's gonna come down to the the matchups at the end of the game. And as long as Embiid keeps trading buckets and there's movement around him with Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, then they can easily just, all they need is a couple of stops of either, of Kyrie, because Kyrie's probably the one you want the ball at the end of the game, you know, it, it, small sample size, but it's look it's looking like Harden's the one that you, that has the best chance to create offense at the end of the game because he's patient. 
He knows when to pass. He knows when to take over. Whereas Kyrie doesn't necessarily make that distinction. He always feels like I can take my guy one-on-one because he's done it his whole career. And he doesn't have to. And then KD, I mean, KD's going to do what he has to do, but KD it can fit wherever. That guy is like jello, just fitting in whatever mold. So all they need is essentially one stop on Kyrie or make one bad pass by either KD or Harden, and that can be the difference in some games against the Nets or, or, the, or you know, a grinded-out game against, like with the Bucks. So that's why they're a dangerous team, and I think you know people got to stop sleeping on the Sixers. It's my moral of the story. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. They're, they're definitely going to give the Nets probably their best test right now. If the season ended, I don't trust the Bucks as much. I mean, the Bucks did what they could in terms of that roster, but I still think the way Embiid's playing, he's at a higher level than Giannis, and in the playoffs, it's who has the best player in my opinion. So the fact that Embiid is doing what he's doing on both sides of the ball, and he's playing a lot of minutes too. That's another thing where like he would miss games and, or he just wouldn't get to like the 30 to 36-minute mark, and he's done that. So it's like, all right, I mean – they're going to win if that's what he's able to do. So, yeah, I think the Nets would probably still win, though. I, I don't know, man. It, it's it's still going to the Nets. What do you think, Brandon? So, I don't know, man. After seeing these first few games with Kyrie and the Nets, like, man, it was such, like, nice to watch Kevin Durant and James Harden, like, how fluid and how perfect they, like, gelled together their first two games. And then Kyrie, who's just, like, a ball <laughs> It's like stopper. a bromance. It was, like... <laughs> It was like you just saw like a it was like a rom com just like happening yeah. on the court, you know. <laughs> yeah, and now here he comes, the star of the show, Kyrie Irving, who thinks he's the star, and just was like, no, like I'm gonna make this about me. And he's great. He's dropped like 30, 40 points like every game, but like they've mostly ended in losses. So like, what does that tell you? Like we said, Kyrie's best role on this team is gonna be like a borderline twenty point per game scorer who's chilling in the corner. And it's just more of a threat and is someone that's just kind of keep his defender honest that mostly opens the lane for Harden to kind of operate and lets kind of Durant do his thing as a second option. But like Kyrie is going to really want to play ISO ball, wants to, you know, and it just really, I think, messes the gel of the team. The one thing is I do think I trust him late in games and the fact that Harden, their first game back, I don't know if it was their first game back, one of the games that they play together, Harden literally deferred right to Kyrie like five seconds left he just passes the ball to Kyrie and Kyrie ends up missing the shot but like the one thing that we were worried about was who's gonna take that last shot I think Harden is gonna not be like we like his biggest criticism against his whole careers is he guy that comes up in the playoffs and in clutch but right now he really doesn't need to worry about that right now he's gonna be that first you know 46 minutes of the game Harden's just going to take over. It's going to be his offense. And then, like, you let Kyrie and Kevin Durant kind of do their thing in the last two minutes, and that could work. It, the only thing is if Kyrie, the you know, leading up to that point, is if, is he going to make it where it's his team, it's his team. And if, at that point, I think Kevin Durant's going to be the guy that ends up getting left out because he's going to be the least selfish guy, but that's going to obviously, you know, not going to yield the best results for the team. So it's going to be a, obviously a fit situation that they're going to have to deal with. We'll see how they play it. It's going to come down to Kyrie and how he, you know, responds to this and how he goes forward with his role. Yeah. Even in that short sample size, though, we already kind of saw the difference. In the first game with Kyrie back against the Cavs, that double OT screamer, the Colin Sexton putting sex on the map right there, um, he, Kyrie kind of lost him the game. Because in the fourth quarter, I think they went to like Kyrie isos like three times in a row. He missed all three of them. And they should if they would have scored one of those, it wouldn't have gone OT. It wouldn't have gone out of hand in the double OT. But that was kind of the feeler game. That was kind of like, I feel like Harden and KD were like, let him do his thing. It's like, like a toddler when, you know, put the hand on the stove. Let him find out that, that the stove is hot and that thing burns. You know, where they were like, all right, let him, let him fail. Let him, let him do his ISO thing and just watch. We're, we're going to lose to the Cavs, who are a mediocre team, even though Colin Sexton says otherwise. And now going into, well, sure, they faced a Heat, a Heat team that was decimated. Half of a squad, yeah, decimated. But Kyrie was already, like, giving it up a little bit more to Harden, working more the cuts. You know, he was getting sneaky cuts to the basket, getting free layups, getting wide-open threes off ball movement, getting Joe Harris involved a lot more. Joe Harris was making a lot of clutch threes in the fourth. So they're already kind of getting it. And 
it's honestly a little promising that they're getting it so quick. It just kind of sucks that they've they might have false hope or false faith by beating a decimated Heat team and kind of forgetting about the and then KD sitting out that second Cavs game because I think that if they lost that second Cavs game at full strength, that would have been a real kicker, you know. I think you make a great point to say, well, that they need to lose these games and let Kyrie realize that, like, he's not going to be able to be the guy because, yeah, I mean, it, it's just so obvious that Kevin and James are going to be able to make those shots. Kyrie Irving for Ben Simmons, who says no? I think that's pretty pretty good for both teams, honestly. I think Kyrie and the pick and roll with, with Embiid and... I mean, I think both team wins. Ben Simmons solves win. that problem. So I'm, yeah. I'm not saying ben, it's a bad ben, trade. I'm just saying the variable is really is just Kyrie. And if Kyrie doesn't want to do it, then the deal's not going to get done. Because I don't think Philly trades for him. I don't think Daryl Morey would take the risk and trade for him if he knew that Kyrie could like potentially just sit out. Because that's like kind of what his mandate has been. Like If he doesn't rock with shit, he's just going to chill. You know, So like that's the only problem. It's, it's a good trade. I'm not saying it's a bad trade. I think it definitely works for both teams. But I just don't think... It's almost like we have to wait a year. They have to fail, like, really bad. And then Kevin Durant and James Harden have to be like, that's cool. And even Kyrie has to be like, yeah, I guess I'll do it, you know? Like, I just think... I mean, it's not like they're shipping him to, like, Minnesota or something, you know? Like, they're shipping him to another championship team, and it's, like, a perfect... And, like, he's going to he's gonna get, get what he wants. Like, he's going to be... It would be awesome. The, like, he'd be a number one, like... Like, he'd be, like, 1A, 1B with... Embiid, like he would get up, be like the, a prominent score versus being it's, like the Chris the Kobe Bosch on, and the, on the Nets. The modern Kobe and Shaq. Modern Kobe and Shaq. I mean, we <laughs> but we wanted it with Harden and and Embiid. We can get it with Kyrie and Embiid, you know. Nah, I, yeah. And like he's a great three point shooter. I think like Daryl Morey, like obviously him and Harden, you know, were a match made in heaven. They were perfect. But like Kyrie's like a perfect mold of that. Where like. Like Daryl Morey's gonna give him the green light. I mean, obviously he's gonna get to get some collaboration with Doc Rivers, but like he's gonna give him the green light to shoot 15 threes a game. Like do what he wants. Like like I I don't. It's not a bad situation for Kyrie. I think like he wanted to play with Kevin Durant, his his you know his buddy. So like his buddy just shipping him off to Philly would obviously hurt. Yeah. But like that's I think problem. that would just motivate him even more. Maybe but, maybe I just think that's the rub. I think Daryl Morey couldn't do the trade unless he talked to Kyrie and Kyrie was cool with it. You know. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, that's a hundred percent a factor. I just think like it just it's just crazy to think that uh, Kyrie would just like nah, I'm just gonna retire. You know, like <laughs> he could. That's the know. thing. He's already won a championship. He might, yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, he'll start up his own league. I mean, the fact that his press conference, his first press conference, was like he literally said like I've told you guys, I've been pretty transparent that there's more things important to m- in my life than basketball. And respect, dude. Like that's that's fucking awesome. Like uh, I don't know. I I think we should all want to achieve like a certain status in life where like we don't need a job to feel like fulfilled or like feel achieved. Like good for him, but it's just like I can't trade for a dude like that. Like that's way too much of a risk. I feel like for the, that trade for the Sixers, it's like win now. Or forever hold your pieces, you know, because if they don't win with Kyrie, you're getting a older Kyrie and you're giving up a young Ben Simmons. Sure, I mean you know what Kyrie is, and at this point you might know what Ben Simmons is. But the Simmons, this is Simmons' best value. You wait two more years to try to try out this Embiid Simmons experiment, and like who knows what Simmons' value is? Like I think you could get Kyrie right now for him, you know. And I think again, like. The Nets are like would be interested in that trade, like where it would fit. Not at, like it's not easy to just to get a Kyrie Irving trade accomplished, but like right now you'd find the Nets at the right time. So like, and that's why the Harden thing. Well, I thought that's why they should have went all in because it's not easy to find a James Harden trade. You know, like, and that's the thing is like you got to find the right moment. You know, and I think this could like be the right time. But I could like you guys are saying, I could see Daryl Morey, you know, being more hesitant. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing trying to guess what trades are going to happen. But thankfully, we know some trades that might happen, like J.J. Redick and Lonzo Ball being on the move. But, like, what's the what's the best fit for Lonzo? Because at this point, his career is looking on the downwind. He's shooting terribly from the field, under 40%, shooting terribly from the three-point, under 30%, and he's shooting terribly on probably the most important shooting stat, which is your free throws, under 60%. Like, what is he at this point? He's not even, like, necessarily an elite defender. He doesn't even show aggression driving to the rim. Doesn't take control of an offense. It looks like half of the time he's just chilling around the perimeter, waiting to hoist up a wide-open three, and it hits 
under 30% of the time. I mean, is he just like TJ McConnell at this time or? No, uh, no. Dude, I'll take TJ McConnell. I'm just yeah. kidding. Like, he's like, he's working himself into being like a career backup at this point if he can't like shoot. But like at the same time, like it just, he was actually really good last year. And now he's just really bad. And it's just like, we just don't know what the real Lonzo is. That's just the thing is like, and it's get, it's getting close to where they're going to have to pay him. So like, it, it's a tough call for the Pelicans and like what they're going to do and like how you evaluate them. It, it Yeah, I don't know what Lonzo really is at this point. But what, te- what team would really, like, optimize his potential? Which team would be like, if he goes here, this is where we're going to get the best Lonzo. It's going to be a r- resurrection of his career. He's going to, you know, fit their mold. I Like, I if, one team that comes to my mind is Golden State, just because Golden State can make any, te- any player work. And Lonzo would probably be a little bit of fun, just he needs to play on ball. Dimes. He's an on ball point guard. I don't see him playing off ball with Steph Curry. So I just don't think that fit is is great. I don't know. There's really I don't I don't I wouldn't if I'm a championship team. I don't think I'm trading for him. I I would trade for him if I'm a young. He's going to a younger like like if I'm the Pistons, I'm just whatever you want. I'll take Lonzo. You know, like that's the team. That's the team he's gonna get. You know, like I don't think he's gonna go to like a contending team. Like he's just not Derek there. Rose. He's a, he's a he's a project. Derrick Rose in a draft pick for Lonzo Ball, something like that. I think that works out. I think that works for both teams because Derrick Rose is like he's not who he was, but he's like a you know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get like a solid 15 points, you know, every game from him. He's gonna like he's a solid guy to come play 25 minutes off the bench, give you some energy. Like and he's a pro. That, that, that's they need, they need as pro. many that's, pros as yeah, they can in the locker room. He's a veteran, yeah. But then why would why would a not contending team trade for Lonzo? He's in the last year of his contract. What are you gonna, What are you like, giving up for Lonzo though? That's so, what I'm so saying. So if I'm gonna what? if I'm gonna make the case for Lonzo, he is on a terrible roster that is just not enhancing what he's good at as a player. It's it's eerily similar to Ben Simmons, and the the thing with Lonzo is this is the second time this is happening, so this is not a good sign. You never want to trade for a player who shows flashes and then has lulls two scenarios in a row like he did with the Lakers and now with the Pelicans. But he, like Brandon was saying last year, he shot the ball pretty damn well. For some reason, when he got to the bubble, it just completely went away. And if you want to put on your tinfoil hat with me, it's Zion being in the lineup and Zion not being able to shoot the ball as well. That's a problem. That doesn't help someone like Lonzo who needs a passing lane, who needs as much space as he can to attack his defender because he's not the quickest dude. So any extra space that he gets, he's going to be able to cut somebody off. He's like Luka. He's athletic and long. That's the so. thing is neither of them. They both like need the other one to shoot threes for both of them to thrive. Yeah. And neither of them are really shooting threes, so neither of them are thriving yeah. at all. And then same with Steven Adams So and Eric Bledsoe. Three dudes, none of them can shoot. So that's not helping Lonzo. Yeah. If he's on a different team, I think he could be a productive player. That's why I would say someone like the Heat who could just maximize in a small way would be like trade Avery Bradley in a draft pick because Lonzo with someone like Duncan Robinson spacing the floor or someone like Tyler Hero maybe spacing but, the floor. Like, but that's the thing is though, so are, like, are you who are you playing Lonzo over though? You're going to probably rather have Dragic. You're probably going to rather have Tyler Hero. You're rather have Jimmy. You're going to rather have Duncan. And those are the four spots that he could pretty much play. So, so like, I would say the good thing about him is, is that he could maybe guard one through three. So like he could play as just any – he could fit in that rotation if one but, of them so is not hot. That, so that's – so Theoretically, that's Duncan he, Robinson, because Duncan Robinson's streaky, then he takes Duncan Robinson's minutes. I, I, I'm just saying. I, mean, I, I agree, but that's the thing is he's a backup at this point is what you're saying, and that's why. Like, yeah, but, I mean, if, if he's a backup on a team that can win the championship, I don't think he should care I mean, about sh- that, you know. That's fine. I just don't know if, like, the Pelicans are going to trade him at, like, at, for backup value, you know. Well, no, if – no, I'm saying the Pelicans are going to draft pick out of it. The Heat would trade him a draft pick. I don't know how many draft picks that he have, but if they gave – The Heat are, the heat are like – the Heat definitely are not don't have a ton of draft picks. I know they definitely Yeah, like, they traded to get Andre Godala and they traded to get Jimmy. So they, they've definitely probably gotten rid of a few in the last two years. I just think they could do a small upgrade on the margins because their backup point guard right now is Kendrick Nunn. And Kendrick Nunn is really good in the regular season, but I mean, that'd be the perfect team for That's what Lonzo. I'm saying. So like there I think there is a case where he could go to the right roster where they have shooting already and he Culture. could help them. And yeah, and good culture, and he could help them on the margins. And, like, the Spurs would maybe fit that quality, but they just have so many guards, I didn't think the Spurs would really yeah. need another one. They are, he's He just fits a mold that they already have. So, yeah, he I, th- I still think he's a good player. He just is not being maximized in any way. And give him the right team, he'll show something. What about the Blazers, you know? That could be a team where he could help a little bit on the perimeter yep. defense. 
and they they clearly need some point guard slash guard help, right? Especially right now with CJ McCollum out for an extended period of time. Sure. I, and, got, I got it, dude. I mean, what do they have to lose? Who, who You could probably include a couple random people and maybe a draft pick. That's one that kind of comes to mind where they might need it and they're still competitive enough where it makes sense for them to trade for a player in an expiring contract. Because, I mean, it doesn't make sense for a a team that's not going to make the playoffs to trade assets for an expiring contract that you have to decide if you want to extend them to... I mean, I'm not going to say Lonzo's going to get a significant contract. Yeah, exactly. You have to to assume that you're going to re-sign him or Mm -hmm. else you're just trading him for a one and done, and nobody wants to do that. No. And at this point, I mean, I doubt right now he's going to pay 11 mil for this year. He's gonna he's gonna get a contract that's gonna be paying him more than that, so you're gonna end up paying more. So I think the Blazers are just the perfect team where they're competitive enough. They do need someone like that in the guard help, and they have assets that they can give up. There's not realistically not many other teams come to mind. I mean, I was trying to think so, the Knicks. Just I was because about to say he's going to the Knicks. That we could just write that in right now. That would be pretty cool. To the Knicks. <laughs> that would well, make sense. He'll essentially be like Alfred Payton. Yeah, it's the same, I mean, it's the I same mean, player. But he's, at least, but he's at least younger in that they would convince themselves that like, yo, we got he's got, a, he's got a higher ceiling than Alfred Payton. I, I think he's he's still a crazy yeah. good passer. Like, that's something that's just not being utilized when you have the spacing that he's got in this team. So like, he could, and in, especially in New York too, like he's a big time player. So like I could see him maybe playing a little bit better, just being at the Garden every night. I don't know. I just, I just think he's got to, he's got to just go to a different team. It's, it's weird to say it two times in a row, but the team that I think would be good, a good fit. I just, and they could use him. I just don't know if they, what they could trade for him is the Clippers. I think they could definitely use a ball handler like that. Yeah, they, the Clippers would definitely use him. The the Clippers could definitely use him. But that's another team that they're starved at assets. So it's like, what are you really going to give them, you know? Lou Will, Reggie Jackson, draft pick. Maybe not Reggie Jackson. That's probably too much salary. Patrick Beverly. Maybe Patrick Beverly. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. I don't know if like what the Pelicans would get out of that. Unless you're getting like Canard. But they have to get a draft pick. I think the only way the deal gets done is if the Clippers yeah. give up a future asset. But they gave up a lot of draft picks to get Paul George, so I don't know how many they have. Yeah, I think the Pel- the Knicks would probably be the one that the Pelicans want to make the trade with. I think the Blazers are probably the one that mm. have the better chance because I don't see the Knicks giving up a – you know, their first-round picks are more valuable than the Blazers' first-round picks because the Blazers are probably yeah. going to end up with a better record. So it's going to be – it would be funny if he went from L.A., ended up in New York, you know, the complete opposites. You got the East Coast Coasters versus the West yeah, Coasters right there. Um, and it would be even more funny because of Quickly's little coming out party and then just burying him even deeper in that roster with another point guard who is not as good as uh, IQ. So that would be that would be funny for the Knicks fans if, you know, they buried uh, a little hometown favorite right now because he did drop that 31-point game almost single-handedly beat Dave. They were riot, bro. They, but, were, they were definitely come for Tibbs. He couldn't do that to him. <laughs> Yeah, but Tibbs probably isn't making the move, man. It's probably might be all the way up to James Dolan, all the way to the top. I don't know. But, I mean, we're talking about Lonzo because he's a sexy name. But if you want to talk about sexy, why are we not talking J.J. Redick right now? J.J. Redick could be an asset that it might not take a lot to get him because he's, he's he's on the back end of his career. But I think he's on an expiring. Any team could know, use like- a three- I, I, like I think the Pelicans might well, they're gonna want to get draft picks, so, so I think the Blazers would be a good fit for like I think Lonzo just like if he goes to being a backup right now, his career is gonna die and he's just gonna be a backup. I think JJ would be a perfect fit for the Blazers. But where is he gonna go to start? Knicks is I mean, probably the only place. I think he's like go I mean, it's just a, a Markel Fultz situation where you just it's gonna be like the Pistons or someone that just is gonna like rebuild and you know just like let's take a chance on Lonzo. We got the Raptors. To the Raptors, Kyle Lowry. Raptors flip Kyle Lowry. Kyle, oh. I was thinking Kyle Lowry for Lonzo straight swap. You need to make the money work. I was work. like, man, that's kind of disrespectful for like Kyle Lowry. Yeah, though, the man. money, the money wouldn't work out. And yeah, that would suck for Kyle Lowry's career to end like that. But then again, maybe he could maximize Zion. I don't know. Nick Nurse with Lonzo. Kyle Lowry's a good player. I want to see Lonzo with someone like Nick. He would Nurse, be. He would honestly. be a good fit. He would be a good fit. Yeah, man. I mean, Nick Nurse is just a hell of a coach. I feel like he could. He could figure out a way to use him. I just feel like every like like twenty teams have like a point guard, you know. That's the thing. 
So that's the thing is like out of those other 10, it's like, if that, that that's basically what you're looking at. And then it's like out of those teams, who's really going to take the chance and give up anything of value. Well, they got to give him a lot of run. He's got to be playing like 35 minutes a game and drawing up plays for him, showcasing the, the aggressiveness to the rim. Cause I think that's something he's actually good at a little floaters, you know, pull up jump shots in the mid range. He can make that work. And he, that's where he can showcase. But right now, they're really showcasing him on missing on wide open threes. Who wants He's a player a shooting that's guard. missing wide open threes? They got him playing yes. out of position. He's not a shooting guard. And him and Bledsoe, he has it, to play the shooting guard because Bledsoe's not shooting. Yeah, they're, why are they Why are they playing together? It just doesn't make sense. You know, you got you got a Zion at like the 3-4. You got Ingram. Bledsoe at the 1. Ingram. Ingram's probably the only shooter. And then Steve Adams. Like You just got a bunch of shooters and Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram's yeah, playing I was ISO say, games. Ingram's not even game. like a catch and so, shoot guy. He's more ISO and just like like the yeah. whole team just. Yeah. He makes the toughest together. threes you'll ever watch. It's not he's not getting a catch and shoot three. He's like he's got everybody all over him. Ingram's good, but yeah, it's 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 just not a good fit. It, they need other guys around. No. That's that's the story. Man. Guy like Drew Holiday would be yeah. perfect for this team. If I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Lonzo for Drew. He says no. <laughs> or, no. why would they, why would they trade drew like it just doesn't make sense like if you're like you've seen what the suns did and the sun stealth tank bro the, stealth the, tank. but like i the, but, but it is zion, a stealth tank but yeah, zion and ingram are like good enough to where they're gonna be competitive no matter what you know so like you might as well just go for it you know but now you had kate cunningham and you got they're gonna be but like you're, amazing but there's, next year. You're, you're not gonna get the first pick though. They're not gonna be the worst team though. That's the thing is like no, nah, yeah. Ingram, the lottery gods are not gonna help them out. The lottery Ingram gods are gonna you guys are fucked just, up. Ingram you and Zion have such a big floor where they they might get like the tenth pick. Yeah, they already looked out with Zion. Pick, but like I, I mean, yeah, they can't get that lucky. I'm with you guys. Nobody's that lucky. Yeah. You don't get struck by lightning yeah, twice. To get Zion and then Kate yeah, get Zion and then get Kate Honeyham. No. Yeah, not gonna happen. But you never know. I mean, crazier things have happened. You know. D-Rose went to the Bulls. Who, who would have thought that one? But all right, guys, it's been real. Another one in the books. This one's been a lot of fun, honestly. I'm really happy that teams are going on streaks. Plots are getting switched around like crazy, and we got plenty to learn. I'm excited for teams to get fully healthy. Jason Tatum, shout out being back. Unfortunately, it cost us Paul George and Kawhi, and costing us another hot team that we would have touched on if Um, but it's been real guys peace out catch us on twitter catch us on the next pod and hasta la vista baby keep watching the basketball it's been good season's in full swing let's get it